Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we've shaken off the rust and we've learned a ton from actual football games from this past weekend, and we're set to get ready for week two of the college fantasy football season. We've got you guys covered on everything you'll need to know for this upcoming week. We'll be discussing the biggest games from the expected high-scoring matchups of Oregon and Texas Tech to the monster blue bloodbath expected in the Bama-Texas game. Of course, we'll finish by answering a series of your fan-submitted start-sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside drop down for Franklin! Oh, majestic! Touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work that we are doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our three or not even three, more than three fantastic tiers. You'll find everything you need there for your CFF, Devi, and C2C needs, as well as your betting needs and pretty much anything for college football as well. We cover everything regarding this wonderful sport of ours. We got rankings. We got articles, including my waiver wire article from this past week. We also got some tools and so much more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Y'all, week one is in the books. We learned, like I said in the intro there, we learned a ton. If you want a really big deep dive on that, make sure you go and check out this past Monday's episode of CTN where Austin, Nace, and I broke down our biggest takeaways and got our first look at some waiver wire pickups for you guys. I'm sure you guys have already had your waivers run by this point, but even still, it's fun to recap if you haven't already. Joining us again this week, he'll be here every Wednesday during the season to help us with previewing each week and helping us with sit and starts. It is Mr. Justin Leo, aka Volume Pigs on Twitter. Justin, how are you doing today, sir? And how did week one go for you, man? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Yeah, week one was uh, a mixed bag. Yeah, so, some leagues it went well, uh, some leagues not as well. That's how it goes. Which player uh, hurt overall, you the most? Um, which player hurt me the most? Probably Braylon Braxton, just by virtue of the fact that he got injured after like maybe one or two points in, in most leagues. And then some leagues, I think he scored negative points for me. So basically he tanked my chances of victory in uh, a couple of leagues where I had to start him. But uh, well, that's okay. That's how it goes sometimes, right? But um, no, this weekend was good. This weekend was great. Uh, it felt really good to be watching college football again. Uh, I, I'm definitely not in midseason form yet. I was feeling the fatigue come like Monday night, that Clemson Duke game. But uh, we'll get there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I'll I'll be real with everybody. Like it's again, 
like you said, we got to get into midseason form. Starting off Labor Day weekend with games, pretty much. I mean, we had games from Thursday to Monday night, yeah. and it was just five straight days of college football watching. I fully agree with you. It was kind of exhausting by the end of it. And thankfully, most weekends we're going to have like most of the games on Friday and Saturday. That'll be kind of our main focus with a game or two here on, you know, Thursday. And well, yeah, no, none of the games are going to be on Sunday, obviously. But then by the time action rolls around where, you know, it's like Tuesday, Wednesday and everything like that, that's when we'll be in midseason form. We'll be good to go by then. We'll have our stamina built up by that point. But um, yeah, so again, like you said, up and down week one for you. Um, I had a pretty good weekend uh, in terms of a lot of my teams and everything. I had one team that just absolutely tanked. Um, I talked about that on Twitter. If any of y'all saw my post about my outstanding trio from this past weekend of Marvin Harrison Jr., Jordan Curley, and Caleb Hood, uh, that that team did not do so well. And also, Justin, you were talking about how like. Braylon Braxton tanked your team in a lot of leagues. I'm not sure what's worse, losing with Brax, Braylon Braxton or losing to a team that played Braylon Braxton this past weekend. Because that's one. That's what one of my teams did. It, it was. It was not. It, it, actually, that that drove me nuts because both of our teams scored actually really highly outside of that. Anyway, I'm rambling. Y'all don't want to hear too much about my leagues and everything. But again, I am totally juiced from this past weekend it was great to have a full weekend of college football but now we got another amazing weekend ahead of us and justin i think that's a great segue to go ahead and start talking about some of these games that are coming up for this weekend we're going to talk about five games for you guys here kind of a mixed bag of really big games but also again lots of fantasy relevance in these games a lot of y'all are probably considering starting players in these games so we're definitely going to talk about that quite a bit here so let's go ahead and move it on over to here we're going to start with a ranked v ranked matchup this weekend i think a lot of this is kind of flying under the radar in fact it's on espn2 which is kind of a shame considering like i said it's a ranked v ranked matchup but we got number 22 old miss going up against number 24 Tulane here old miss the favored favored by seven points here over under of 64 so Quite frankly, Vegas thinks that not only is this going to be a high-scoring game, but both teams should be able to put up some points in this game. Justin, do you believe that, or do you think that Tulane might be struggling quite a bit more against an SEC defense like Ole Miss, thus making guys like Michael Pratt maybe a little less valuable this weekend? What's your take on it? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, it's too early in the season really to know. Uh, like, I, I'm not really sure what to make of each team's defense and offense based off the first game. I mean, that would be the typical sort of conventional wisdom, though, is that Tulane's probably not going to be as efficient against Ole Miss as they were last game. I believe Pratt had, like, four touchdowns, like, by 15 pass attempts or something, something crazy like that. That's probably not going to be the case. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this, these two teams in terms of well, Tulane struggle against Ole Miss's defense. Uh, obviously, Vegas seems to think both teams are going to score quite a bit, although they do get it wrong sometimes. See Houston versus UTSA last weekend. For sure. So early in the season, that, that sort of tends to happen more often. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I had to start Pratt, it wouldn't really bother me too much. Ole Miss isn't one of the sort of top-tier SEC schools. And when they are good, it's usually their offense that's pretty good. Uh, so their defense isn't really as much of a concern for me. Uh, on the Ole Miss side, I think I'm pretty interested in seeing 
sort of the wide receiver room. They were in a in a pretty uh, lopsided blowout last weekend, so it's kind of difficult to get a read, like an actual read on sort of the splits there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Trey Harris is the one everybody's probably buzzing about. Uh, I think he had something crazy, like four touchdowns on eight catches or something like that. That's probably not going to happen again, probably throughout the season. Uh, but there was also a couple others, like Jalen Watkins, uh, who popped off, which I was quite happy about uh, in our league, uh, in our dynasty league with Nate. Uh, mm-hmm. He's one of my guys. Uh, so I was happy to see him get some run. I was happy to see Aiden Williams get some run in that blowout. I was expecting him to uh, when things got ugly. So I'm, I'm interested in Ole Miss's wide receivers. Uh and yeah, I'm still in sort of wait and see mode in terms of what to make of each team's uh, strength of offense and defense. Yeah, maybe this is me buying into one game too much here, but I really was kind of impressed with what Tulane was able to do against South Alabama last week. I mean, as far as I could tell, just by the numbers and everything, South Alabama was a really good defense last year, I believe, according to our numbers from Nick Allen and C2C winning edge. They were the 30th best defensive roster coming back from last year. They were They were third or fourth in returning production from last year. So there's a lot of the same dudes coming back and Pratt and Tulane were able to hang 37 on them. That's a pretty incredible performance, especially at the G five level. Again, how much does that translate over to a power five defense where you're dealing with just way more talented dudes on a, you know, player by player basis depends to be seen here. But at the same time, going over to the old Miss side, I fully agree with you. The receivers are interesting. I am super, super interested in Trey Harris. Again, like you said, eight targets, four touchdowns. That's not happening again this year. It would be absolutely insane if it did. But I am curious, like, how valuable is Trey Harris? Like, does that performance kind of boost the amount of trust that Dart has in him moving forward? Um, Does that lead to more targets per game? If that's the case, a number one wide receiver in the Lane Kiffin offense can definitely be a ton a ton of fun and would definitely be a change of pace for um, offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss, who typically hasn't produced great number one wide receivers in the past. I'd be happy to eat crow on that. All right. I think that pretty much covers that game. I think we can move on to a game that hit the sixties for both teams last year, Appalachian state going to North Carolina. Again, UNC, the 18 point favorite here, over under of 60 and a half, but like I said, we all remember what happened in this game last year. Just an absolute barn burner back there. I think I'll start with this one because I gave you the last one here, Justin. The thing I'm most interested in here is, I mean, kind of obvious here, it's the UNC offense. We saw them against South Carolina last week, and quite frankly, for the most part, it's they were good. Don't get me wrong. Like Clearly, they, they won that game handedly. Um, you saw good performances from most of their players and everything like that. But at the end of the day, Drake May didn't hit 300 yards, only got two touchdowns through two interceptions. Again, it's a pretty decent defense that South Carolina has there, so I can't knock it too much. I want to see what does Drake May look like when he is going up against some weaker defenses. Does there does that make, or excuse me, is there a pretty big jump from what we saw against the Gamecocks last week? I am absolutely watching for that this weekend. The other thing I am kind of looking for as well is, does Kobe Pesor kind of continue to be the Tez Walker surrogate? Again, led the team with seven targets last week. Again, it's nothing to write home about, but clearly, again, he plays in that slot position that we have seen be productive at UNC in the last couple of years there. I think that 
as long as Walker is out, Pace will probably continue to build on as the trusted number one wide receiver there. Could be a sneaky, sneaky play. Or if you want to get ahead of the curb on waivers this week, I might pick up Kobe Pesor now while he's a free agent before he maybe has a monster game in this Appalachian State game this weekend. And then the other part of this was, and again, this kind of goes back to our starts and sits from last week, Justin. Nate Noel got fed last week. 24 carries last week. That surprised me. I was kind of expecting much more of a committee approach there. Does that continue? That's definitely something I'll be watching out for there. Anything else that you are looking for in this game, Justin? Yeah, no, you took the words right out of my mouth on Noel there. I was going to give the tip of the hat to you because uh, I know we mentioned him last week, and uh, I was in the same boat. I mean, the, the MO over there at App State the past couple of seasons has been uh, pretty pretty committee-based, so I was surprised to see him get, I think it was like 25 carries in this game. So that's something I'm really watching for. I mean, I, I think he's he's rostered in a lot of leagues, but if he is available on your waivers, you might want to take a chance on him because uh, after this weekend, you know, he might be a guy that's a really hot name. Uh, if he's got another sort of 20 carry performance against UNC. Uh, and then you mentioned as well the top there about Drake May. Uh, there seems to be this sort of pattern with him where when they play a team with a pulse on defense, uh, he seems to struggle quite a bit versus, uh, you know, and then he really racks up the stats against sort of these lower tier teams. So, I mean, this would be a game where you'd expect them to, you know, really, really dominate in this one. So, I mean, if, uh, if you're thinking about starting him this week, this is one I think you go wheels up on. Um, and I don't think we're going to learn much about him, I guess, against App State. I mean, App State's usually a pretty good defensive team at the G5 level, uh, but it's not a team I'm really expecting to give UNC too much trouble. I mean, that's that's what I'd expect. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, if I see, you know, the sub 300 yard performance out of Drake May, because that's just the kind of offense that UNC is running now, I'm definitely going to be worried about him moving forward. I think we can learn that if that is what happened, or we can learn that from this game if that happens this weekend. But like you said, if he throws for like, or 500 yards, I think we learned that, again, once he plays teams that don't have very good defenses, he's back to being the Drake May we all know and love. So that is, I think that is important. It makes him very much the kind of guy where you know exactly when you should be able to start him. So let's move on to the next game here. This one is kind of a fun one. I didn't know this was on the schedule this year, but I, I'm, I'm glad that I know about it now. And it's kind of a shame that it's on ESPN+. Plus. This really should be more widely available, in my opinion. SMU going to number 20, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the 16 and a half point favorite, but the over-under in this game hitting the 70s here. So once again, Vegas, even though it's a, they think it's going to be a lopsided matchup, they expect both of these teams to be able to put some points up on the board here. Justin, what are you looking at for this matchup? Who are you most interested in? I think it's the same question for both teams, and it's the wide receiver room. Um, and both of these wide receiver rooms are pretty popular in the offseason for CFF players for good reason. If you look at sort of the patterns in both uh, on the SMU side, you know, I think a lot of different people speculated and had different names on who they thought would be the number one guy. But I think Jordan Curley was kind of uh, mostly considered to be probably the guy who's going to be the, the one who steps up. And, and maybe he is this season. You know, it was just one game this past weekend. Uh, but there really wasn't any wide receiver who actually really broke through. I think it was like three catches was like the most any any of them had or something like that. Among wide receivers, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, yeah, RJ Maryland, the tight end, looked like he sort of might be the alpha the pass catcher. But as far as the wide receivers go, that yeah, there wasn't really anybody who stepped up. I, I, was, I was kind of intrigued to see uh, after sort of some of the comments from 
the offseason how they'd use Roderick Daniels, who was kind of a, a, a sort of a sleeper name in that room. Not, not too many people uh, generally talking about him, but they were they were mentioning that they wanted to get him touches. They wanted to use him in the run game and in the pass game. And I guess they did in some way. I mean, he had two rushes. He also had, I think, two catches. Uh, so oddly enough, he actually paced the wide receiver room in total touches. There were four. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that's a good sign. He didn't really do much with the volume. Uh, so it's, I guess it remains to be seen uh, in terms of that room. Is there a name that emerges? I, I'd really uh, I'd be interested to see that in this game, although it's going to be sort of a tough game for them. Uh, but I guess on, on the flip side, they should be trailing against Oklahoma most of the game. They, they should at the very least have their foot on the accelerator for the full 60. Uh, so that's good. And then the same thing on the Oklahoma side. You know, I think J- Jalil Farouk was kind of a name that people were thinking of. Uh, I wrote about him as well. I was kind of uh, thinking he'd probably be a guy. And maybe he is again still. It was just one week and, and they were in a blowout. So it's very hard to tell, like, you know, what the split was there. So I think those are the two things I'm interested in. I mean, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Literally on my notes here in front of me, I have just back to back. Who steps up at wide receiver for SMU? Who steps up at wide receiver for Oklahoma? And again, you kind of touched on everything there with SMU. I think you make a very good point in the fact that they're going to be behind here if this game is even remotely close. I kind of touched on this with Austin last week with a lot of these G5 teams, especially if it's early on, especially in these games, who are these G5 teams targeting early against some, again, just outclassed athletes, or excuse me, athletes that outclass them who are they trusting to beat those guys? Those are the guys that kind of give you the indication that they're going to be big down the stretch. Again, take it, for example, Devontae Walker against Georgia last year. Devontae Walker had a really, really solid performance against a really, really good Georgia defense. And lo and behold, that earned him a ton of looks down the stretch. If we go into this game and a guy like Jake Bailey suddenly becomes the guy that Preston Stone is targeting when he's going up against a Brett Venables defense, that's definitely something to note for down the line, whether it be Jordan Curley, maybe, or maybe a Romello Brinson or somebody else. Who knows? Who Shoot, it might be another amazing RJ Maryland week, and it may be that RJ Maryland's the best, the number one guy on this team, in which case he could be an absolute monster for CFF. And then again, like I said, Oklahoma wide receiver room. Gavin Freeman is interesting. I know Nate Marquise was definitely talking him up over the weekend on Twitter, and he's talking about him in the Slack being like, Okay, if Drake Stoops is out for an ex- any experience, any extended period of time, Gavin Freeman could absolutely become a pretty good monster for the Oklahoma offense. Again, this past week, not a great performance. Again, 4.8 yards per catch. Just not not super strong there, obviously. But again, I trust Nate, especially with his ev- evaluation of Sooner players. And, you know, I went and grabbed Gavin Freeman in a dynasty league or two because I thought to myself, like, hey, if what he's saying is true, this dude could be super good. So we'll definitely find out this weekend. Or I, I won't say definitely find out this weekend, but it's something I'm looking for this weekend. Let's move on to the next game. Oh, no, we got one more. One thought? quick note. Yeah, I was just I was just reading over your notes as you were talking. And I'm not sure if I'm reading this right, uh, but is it Jaquez Padaway? He had like 10 targets in this game. Yeah, it was mostly it was mostly later in the game. Time, right? it, it was it was when the game was already in hand. He got out there. Now he'll he's somebody yeah. to watch for the future. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. for now, I, I, it was, it's kind of like um, a lot of people are sort of picking up Gary Bryant this week because they're like, oh my God, he had like 12 targets in the game last week against Oregon. Almost all of them came when, like, I think like six of them came on one drive when Ty Thompson 
came in. So like that, that tells you just how yeah. late in that game it was that Bonix was benched and everything. So I think it's, it's a similar situation here. Okay. Yeah. No, I figured that would be the case because they were in a, in a hefty blowout uh, against Arkansas State, and that is something to keep in mind for the viewers when you're looking at some of the target volume. Uh, sometimes it's good to check the game log or at least look at the extended highlights, get a little bit more of a vibe of like w- what actually happened there. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to the next game here. This is the big daddy game of the weekend. Obviously, you got Texas at Alabama. Alabama, the seven-point favorite over under of 56. This is a relatively low-scoring game last year. It finished 20-19, to 19, although I would say both of these teams are hoping to be improved on the offensive side of the ball this year. Again, with Ewers at Texas, obviously. Alabama, hope like definitely not improved at QB, but they're hoping to be improved on the offensive line at receiver with their pass catching options definitely a lot of things to look forward to in this game one thing i am definitely looking out for is jace mcclellan last week pretty much exactly what justin and i thought was going to happen happened jace got a lot of run early got his touchdown they called it a day with him they sat him very very early on in that game because again clearly they want to use him later down the line and so I want to see this again. He performed really well in the Texas game last year. I think that this is the kind of game, this is this close environment. We're going to see Jace McClellan get quite a bit of touches. I think that's part of the reason why they saved him last week because they knew that they were going to use him a ton for this game. And then on the opposite side of the ball here with Texas, their running back situation. Does Sarkeesian find his running back for the year in this game? Again, Last week against Rice, it's a blowout. We're not really getting a great look at the running back room. C.J. Baxter um, got a rib injury last week, so I have a feeling that he is going to um, definitely kind of fall behind just a little bit, at least for right now. But this is really Jonathan Brooks's opportunity to take this job by the reins. He performed admirably against Rice. Again, nothing crazy. Obviously, the... I forget what it was, like 24 or 34-yard touchdown catch and everything like that. But outside of that, it wasn't like a true Steve Sarkeesian running back performance for him last week. If he can do it against the Alabama defense, I think that earns him the spot moving forward. And then the other thing that I need to look out for is the Alabama passing game. I kind of mentioned that Alabama's hoping the receivers step up this year much more than they did last year. Well, I mean, that starts with the quarterback's position. Again, Jalen Bilro actually had a pretty admirable passing um, game last week. Again, 18 passing attempts, 13 completions, so well above 50 per- uh, over 70% completion there. Almost 200 yards, but a lot of deep shots, a lot of, a lot of big plays there, three touchdowns. If Milrow can just keep that level of success on a game-by-game basis... He'll be fine the rest of the season for the most part. His legs are more than enough to keep him even more fantasy relevant. And then the other interesting thing is Isaiah Bond had a really good week last week. I drafted him in a ton of dynasty leagues last year because, again, you just want a speedster on Alabama's defense. You want the guy that's just going to take the top off the defense, and Isaiah Bond did exactly that last week. He had a huge drop problem last year, and according to offseason reports, he still had a drop issue this past, during the offseason. But against Middle Tennessee State, again, Middle Tennessee State, he seemed to kind of fix that problem just a little bit there. Again, t- targeted five times, caught all five balls, 76-yard, touchdown. Hopefully he can build on that, and he could become an absolute weapon for Alabama on a weekly basis here. Justin, your thoughts on this game? Anything kind of sticking out to you? 
Yeah, this is um this is a great game. Obviously, the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, you mentioned Jace McClellan. That's an interesting one. I think that's a player you and I probably differ quite a bit on. Uh, I know you're pretty high on him being sort of the uncontested bell cow there. I'm sort of on the other side. Uh, I think this is going to be a year where you see sort of three running backs all get around 100 to 150 carries. Uh, look at the OC, Tommy Reese, where he came from Notre Dame last season. Uh, that's kind of how they did it. Although he was also with Notre Dame when Kyron Williams was there. So he has a little bit of both in his background. It could go either way. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I mean, last weekend it did go exactly sort of how we thought it might with Jason McClellan. It wasn't really a hot take. Right? We saw sort of how they used Jameer Gibbs last year and sort of looks to be a similar deal. So this will be really a bellwether uh, temperature check kind of game for how it's going to go in terms of that backfield, I think, because uh, this should be a competitive game. And this would be the game where, if Jason McCullen is the guy, then he should be sort of dominating the touches in this game. Uh, you also mentioned the wide receivers. Yeah, that's an interesting one on the Alabama side as well. Uh, I was happy to see my boy 007 showing out against uh, MTSU uh, as him bond. But um, yeah, I mean, it's against a weaker opponent. It's one game. We'll have to kind of see uh, how things go forward. Uh, on the Texas side, yeah, I'm you sort of took the words out of my mouth. I, th I think the running back room is one that a lot of people are interested in. Uh, Baxter, as you mentioned, is probably going to be at the very least limited this game if, if he does play. Uh, so I'm I'm expecting that Brooks and Blue will probably split most of the work here. Uh, but if it happens that, like, let's say Brooks just takes on more volume, then uh, that'd be a notable event for me. And he'd be a guy, you know, if he's available on your waivers next week, he'll probably be a hot commodity. Yeah, absolutely for sure. One thing, I, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to look up one little bit of information before we move on to our next game here, which I think that'll be a good segue over to our final game. We'll be discussing here the 7 p.m. game on Fox, the one that's going to try to rival Texas Alabama, but it's not going to happen. They're going to get absolutely blown out on the ratings here. Oregon, Texas Tech, another game that again I just wasn't fully aware was on the schedule this year but as soon as i saw for way too i'm like that's a really kind of fun out of conference matchup and vegas agrees over under of 67 in this game oregon only a six and a half point favorite here justin what are you most interested in going into this game and this is a really exciting game i mean this one has the potential to be just absolutely bananas this weekend uh, and it could be a, a very lucrative game for CFF players, both for really explosive offenses. It's hard to get a read on the Oregon side, right? Because, I mean, they were in just the, the Dan Lanning's program last week just absolutely eviscerated, I think it was Portland State. Uh, they scored, they hung up like 81 on Portland State or something like that. So I, I, I'm wondering what who pissed Dan Lanning off last weekend if somebody tweeted at him or something or who hurt him or what he has against Portland State. But it's hard to kind of get a read for what they're going to do split-wise because that game was ugly from basically the beginning. Uh, so it's really kind of hard to read, like, what are, gonna, what are they going to do in the backfield? What are they doing in terms of the wide receiver? I think we know Troy Franklin's probably uh, a mainstay in that offense, but it'll be interesting to see, okay, well, how how effective is a guy like Gary Bryant as well this year? You know, is he is he really that guy who's also going to be, you know, seeing quite a few targets? Because we've seen this with the OC uh, that's there at Oregon, Will Stein, when he was at UTSA last year. I mean, they had three wide receivers that were relevant to CFF. And that was by virtue of the fact that they just kept the three same guys on the field all the time, pumped them full of targets. And so if they do that again at Oregon, uh, certainly a guy like Gary Bryant could find himself 
on radars. Um, on the Texas Tech side, I mean, I, I thought they had a quietly good uh, performance last weekend. I mean, some of the receivers, Jerome Bradley, had a solid performance. I don't know if losing to Wyoming is considered a good performance. Oh, I mean, I mean from a CFF side. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, yeah. Not, not from a not from an actual. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really care about like that they win or lose the game, but in terms of their wide receivers, uh, I thought that they, uh, you know, at least Bradley had a pretty good game, and I believe it was Miles Price also had a decent game. Uh, Tyler Shuck. Uh, he at least looked the part the first weekend, so he looks pretty good as well. So I'll be interested to see, you know, do they ca- carry that momentum into, and I, I know they lost last weekend against Wyoming, but in terms of a P5 competitor, uh, another sort of good barometer of how good is this offense going to be. I know everybody's excited about it, right, because it's Zach Kitley, it's year two, uh, and we're expecting things to improve from last year. So let's we'll see what happens. Yeah, as much as I ribbed them for losing – uh, to a G5 opponent there. The the offense really did look a lot more like what we were kind of expecting Zach Kittley's offense to look at Texas Tech last year. Not that he didn't try to run it, but like it seems that they are more confident in the receiving options this year. Obviously, Jaron Bradley making a big step here. 14 targets this past week and caught eight of them. A, little, a couple of kind of issues there with him being able to kind of pull in some balls there. But at the same time, you know, not always his fault. Tyler Shuck can be kind of up and down sometimes there. Here's kind of the really interesting thing. So we always target the slot receiver for Zach Kittley's offense, right? Because that's where Jared Stearns was. That's where we Miles Price was set to be last year when we were targeting him. And why we were kind of going after Dre McCray and Miles Price here. Jaron Bradley played 79 snaps last week. He played in the slot in 44 of them. That's over 50%. He, that's kind of a sneaky indication that he just not only is like, you know, obviously it's like the slot wide receiver for them, but like kind of a sneaky indication that they're going to move him all around the field and he might be just the best wide receiver that they have. So all the people that were just targeting him as the best guy during the offseason as like the safe option, we know he's going to be on the field, could really, really pay off for you if he continues to just absolutely exploit that slot role over there again we saw him get 14 targets this past weekend if he's going to get that every single week in a zach kitley offense whoo boy bradley could be in for a massive massive year so i'm definitely interested to see if that trend continues because miles price who dre mccray who if jaron bradley might be the guy that we're all looking at wondering why we didn't draft him higher by the end of the year all right that kind of covers our kind of five main games there and what we are looking for in them. But now it is time for us to move over to our start and sit segment for the week. Again, appreciate all of you guys out there who are responding to our uh, Twitter page asking for your start and sit scenarios. I did get a couple questions from people asking why we we're asking them so early because, again, like... A lot of waivers haven't run yet. And again, because of the timing of the show, we do have to ask for them pretty early just to make sure we have time to, you know, set up the graphics and everything like that. I will add, I will let everybody know out there. If you want to include like people that you're planning on picking up in your waivers, please go ahead and do that. Like kind of visualize in your mind, like, all right, if I'm able to pick up this player who like how does he compare to the other starters that I have? I'm totally fine with questions like that. And you can be, you can let me know in the question, like, Hey, if I get this guy, how does he compare to the two guys that I have? And if I don't get him, who should I start out of the two guys? 
totally, totally fine with that. I think that's a fair way to go about it. Because again, we do kind of do this a little bit early. I do suggest to everybody out there that if your leagues don't already, I would move your waivers to like Monday night. Because um, again, like now that we're past the first weekend where, you know, we have games going into Monday, just go ahead and get your waivers out of the week early or out of the way early in the week. And then that gives you plenty of time to consider your sit and starts. And that'll come in real big handy when we get later in the season. And we're dealing with a lot of matching games where, you know, you're dealing with waivers and then you immediately have to turn around and set your start and sits for, you know, all those matching games in the middle of the week there. So before we get into the questions here, Justin, I want to review our picks from last week and kind of give the people an update on our competition for this week. I wrote down all of our picks that we made from all of the different questions. And unfortunately, I don't have a graphic. I need to make one this week. But to give everybody an update, when I added up all of the points uh, from which um, Justin and I's picks were done, at the end of the day, I am leading the week with 151 fantasy points versus Justin finished with 106. Um, Justin, do you have any idea of which picks kind of did you in there for week one? I'm trying to remember. I do remember I picked Shadrick Bird from Charlotte on one thing. I don't remember who the other player was. Uh, Sam Brown. Okay, so that's one that definitely Sam Brown had a pretty good day. And Bird looked like he sort of lost his spot if he ever had it as the top running back there for Charlotte. Uh, that would be one that I honestly, I don't even remember some of the others. Um, I got you on Nate Noel versus Tyrese Chambers. Ah, um, uh, yes. Yeah. That, Mar- that Maryland receiver situation is just kind of a mess right now, as I kind of thought it would be. But also, again, I, I understood the upside pick there. And then uh, Alex Adams. Oh boy, that was that was a big bust for a lot of people this past week, and him only getting two point six fantasy points right there. But again, after week one, I am in the lead, but there's plenty of opportunity for Justin to catch me up this week, and I think that's a perfect segue to get into our first question of the week. As always, we got two quarterback questions, two running back questions, two wide receiver questions, two flexes, and one tight end question. Let's get to it. All righty, Justin, we got our first quarterback question on the board here. This one comes to us from my buddy, or our buddy, all of our buddies, ATL Dan on Twitter. He's got Mr. Brennan Armstrong going up against Notre Dame. You got Will Howard, quarterback out of Kansas State, going up against Troy. And then you have Garrett Schrader, quarterback out of Syracuse, going up against Western Michigan. I'm going to throw it over to you first here, sir. Who are you starting and who are you sitting out of these three? So I'm, I'm assuming we start one. Yes, so the, the guy the guy that I'd probably look at the most is Schrader. Uh, he has a good matchup. I, I know um, the OC, Robert N.A., he's no longer there, right? He's at NC State, coincidentally. But the, the OC who's there at Syracuse now seems to be sort of keeping the remnants of that system there. Uh, and he, he still looks like he's going to be used pretty heavily in both sort of the aerial and the rushing capacity. So I like his upside there for both rushing and passing touchdown, but also just the opponent that they're playing. It's obviously a weaker team, but also, and and I have an article out that I just posted about this uh, earlier today, the Western Michigan offense uh, is running at, or at least in the first week, ran at a really, really fast pace. They ran a lot of the plays. Uh, And that's not only a good thing for their players in fantasy, but also their opponent's players, um, because 
just means that they're also going to have the ball quite a bit uh, because, you know, possessions are ending quickly. So this game should be, at the very least, like it should be a fast-paced game, and then Syracuse should be able to have their way with Western Michigan. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I like the upside of Schrader there. I think he's, you know, a pretty safe pick as well. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Howard, I, I like Howard as well. Uh, but the, the opponent typically is a little stronger on defense, Troy. Uh, and then Brennan Armstrong as well. He's just in a tougher matchup versus Notre Dame. This would be one of those games. If you drafted Brennan Armstrong, and, and I was one of those people who drafted him in quite a few leagues, this would be one week where you might contemplate, like if you have a good option that you can fill in, might be a guy you, you don't want to start. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as you. I'm going to go Schrader as well. Pretty much for a lot of the same reasons as you. Again, Western Michigan clearly, in my opinion, is the best matchup out of this bunch um trader in the past has kind of had some very up and down performances now granted some of those have come like after he's gotten injured and then it's kind of very up and down as to whether or not he should be playing period but again western michigan when he goes up against teams that are far outmatched by syracuse he tends to do super super well especially with his legs in those games based on what his performance last week against the tuba toothpaste it seems like Syracuse has plenty of receiving options for him as well, so his passing numbers should be better than they have been in the last, excuse me, in a couple of years. I like Will Howard the second most, again, pretty much echoing what you said here. I like him the second most, again, dual threat ability there. Troy, good defense, but it is still a G5 opponent, so maybe Kansas State can score on them a little bit better than most of their competition will be able to. And then Brennan Armstrong, again, not only is Notre Dame just a really good defense, but I, I'm not sure I can really trust Brennan Armstrong right now without a solid yeah. passing game. The, the receivers are young or they're inexperienced. They're still kind of building up that passing game over there. They're kind of finding those guys that they can trust right now. If it weren't for two rushing touchdowns last week, Brennan Armstrong probably would have finished as one of the bigger busts of the weekend he just kind of got lucky with some of those um with some of those touchdowns near the end that he ran so much so i'm not trusting that against notre dame so i'm definitely sitting him but fully on board with you justin i'm not going to argue with you whatsoever here let's move on to our second question this one comes to us from urban bobby on twitter and he is also asking us between three quarterbacks to start one we got riley leonard a quarterback out of duke Going up against, um, good lord, what is it? Lafayette? Going up against Lafayette this weekend. We got Dylan Gabriel going up against SMU. We just talked about that game not too long ago. And then we got Jalen Miller, a quarterback out of Alabama, going up against Texas. I'll go first here. And I think out of these three, I'm still going to go with Gabriel. I think that it's between Riley and Leonard for me. I think both of these guys should be able to put up a ton of points in their matchups. I just think that Gabriel is going to be able to play just a few more minutes here. I mean, Riley's probably going to play for a bit against Lafayette. And I can't remember his, I can't remember if it's Lafayette or Lafayette. Probably Lafayette. He's going to play against Lafayette for a bit. But again, they're still you know celebrating their win from this past weekend against Clemson. It's a tight turnaround. Monday to Saturday playing another game there. I think they're going to rest him pretty quickly in that game. He might now again. He might rip off an 80-yard touchdown. He might rip. He might um, throw quite a bit. Th- throw for 300 yards by the time they're done. I just trust Dylan Gabriel to be performing more consistently over 60 minutes. 
I think that he'll be in the game longer, so I'm going to roll with him. And then Jalen Milrow, I do like Jalen Milrow. My problem is that, again, like I said, I'm looking for can he be consistent as a passer. This could be the first game where he could have a really, really busted performance in the passing game. And when I have two other options here in Riley Leonard or Dylan Gabriel, I think he's definitely the odd man out out of these three. So Justin, your thoughts, which ones, which guy are you going with? Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm going to bore the, the listeners here because I'm, I'm going with the same guy, uh, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I just think he's the safest of the three here because Riley Leonard, uh, I thought he looked good against Clemson, but this could be a game where he gets the hook pretty quickly. Jalen Milrow, we don't really know what he is yet. You know, the performance against Middle Tennessee doesn't really prove much uh, to me. Uh, Gabriel, we, we know what he is, and he's also in a pretty good matchup. Like This game should be competitive enough to where he's he's in for the full 60. Uh, but they are probably still a team that's better than SMU, so they should be able to move the ball pretty well. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go ahead and writing down our picks in my spreadsheet so I don't have to do this later. All right. Finish up here, and let's go ahead and move on to our running back questions here. I think we can hopefully find some disagreement here for the first time this week. Afternoon, evening, weekend. Yes, evening. Um, let's go ahead and talk Blake Corum running back out of Michigan, going up against ULNLV, or we could go with Cody Schrader running back out of Missouri, going up against Middle Tennessee. Very similar situations here, I would say. You got two teams that love to run the ball for the most part, number one running backs on their team, both dealing with a number two running back that could steal just enough carries to make them. Uh, kind of their ceilings limited towards the weekend. They're both in cupcake matchups. A lot, a lot of similarities here. I think, is it my turn? Yes, it is my turn. Um, I think I'm going to lean Quorum here. I know what I'm going to get out of Quorum. I've seen him in cupcake games the last couple of years. And again, I know he's going to get low yardage and usage compared to what we're going to get in Big Ten play. They're going to They're going to feed him so much more down the line. But I also know that there's the possibility he could have a game like he did last year where it was low yardage, but he ended up with five touchdowns. If Michigan, again, we saw J.J. McCarthy throw for a ton of touchdowns last week. I doubt we're going to see him throw that many every single week, even in, the, in these cupcake matches. I think Corum has the easier path to getting multiple touchdowns than one Cody Schrader, where I think Missouri has a, quite a bit of other options that they can move to there. But it is very, very close. I think the main thing is here, I just know what I'm getting out of Corum because I've seen two years of him pretty much already. I saw what he did last week. It's exactly what I expected out of him during these first couple of weeks here. Schrader, as much as I love him, just a little bit more of an unknown, I think I would rather roll with the known factor with the Michigan running back there. Justin, your thoughts, man? So real quick, I do have to correct you. I think this was my turn to go first. All good, though. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first on the next two. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, again, I unfortunately, I, I have to agree. Um, you know, Schrader had a really good output last weekend, but actually it was a little bit more of a timeshare than I was expecting. Nathaniel Pete got quite a few touches as well. Um, with Michigan, it's like, yeah, we know a little bit more in terms of like what, what we think they want to do here. 
Uh, and I feel pretty confident in Coram coming out of this game with at least the score. And he should be able to rip off a couple of big runs. And that alone will sort of give you a decent fantasy day. Uh, so, yeah, basically at risk of echoing <laughs> everything you just said, uh, same decision for me. I'll throw this out there then. Justin, again, you're right. It's a bit more of a time tier there at Missouri. Schrader had 18 carries. Pete had 14 carries. But Schrader, to me, on a down-by-down basis, just looked better. Again, yes, he had a long 42-yard run there, but you take that out of the equation, and you still kind of divide it down from there. He still was out carrying Pete on a down-by-down basis by a good yard and a half, two yards do you think that's enough to kind of convince the coaching staff that maybe he deserves more than the 18 carries he got last week, that maybe him and Pete aren't really on the same level, they don't need to kind of have that timeshare, or do you think that that's me having wishful thinking here? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, to be honest, I was I was a bit surprised that there was that much of a timeshare because some of you will remember the quote from the running backs coach in the offseason that uh, he said pretty definitively, Cody Schrader will be a 1,000-yard rusher this season. Uh, so that, to me, sort of gave me an indication of what they planned to do. You know, uh, in terms of what you mentioned about the yards, you know, yard per carry sort of averages between the two. Uh, I mean, as a CFF manager who's drafted Schrader in quite a few leagues, I, I hope you're right. Yeah, I hope that's how it goes. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really see Pete going anywhere. Uh, so... I don't know. It's tough to say at this point. Yeah, he's definitely off to a hot, hot. Oh my goodness, I can't speak tonight. He was definitely off to a hot start last week. Pete was, but then kind of faded as the evening went along. There, meanwhile, Schrader was definitely more consistent as the night went on. Let's move on to our second running back question here. As soon as I put our little tokens back, there we go. This one comes to us from. Oh, by the way, the last question came from the redshirt sophomore. My bad, redshirt sophomore. I forgot to mention your name there. This next one comes to us from the Rebel Way. He's got a three-way running back competition here between Samson Evans, running back out of Eastern Michigan, Chesma Lucy, running back out of Wisconsin, going up against Washington State, or Kamani Vidal, the running back out of Troy, going up against Kansas State. Pretty much all three of these guys are going up against what are assumed to be pretty good defenses. All three of them, or two of them at least, are, well, never mind. I I was about to make another comparison. I realized I was completely wrong on it. Regardless, I do think there's a similarity in all three of these guys. But Justin, you are going first because I need to let you go first this time. Justin, who are you going with, man? Because I think we're both going to be on the same page with this one. If my if If anything I know about you. Is well, correct. I mean, I, I hope not, just for the for the viewers' sake. But um, this one's actually an interesting question because there isn't really one option that stands out to me in an obvious way. I think the two on the outside, Evans and Vidal, like they're both more, at least with Evans especially, sort of the undisputed volume pig of their backfield. With Vidal, I mean, it looked that way in the first weekend at least. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But in both of those cases, they're playing up a level. Um, Samson Evans playing against Minnesota, Vidal playing against Kansas State, which are not really great matchups, especially Evans versus Minnesota. Minnesota is one of those big 10 West teams that, you know, they, they, they do running really well, both offensively and defensively. You know, speed is usually the concern, but stacking up against the run, they usually do that pretty well. 
so for those, they're kind of in the same category, uh, Vidal and Evans. And then with Malusi, it's like his matchup is better, but we know he's in a two-way split there with, with Allen. What was interesting about Malusi, though, and I know this because a, a few of my opponents this weekend had Braylon Allen as a, as a starter, is Malusi put in a lot of the work uh, last weekend early on. Like in the first half, I think he had scored like all of their rushing touchdowns. And then Allen, like in the back half of the third quarter, fourth quarter, he basically scored like 25 fantasy points uh, worth of action. Like he just sort of completely salvaged the day at the end of the game uh, against this Buffalo team that was just overpowered. So that's kind of encouraging, actually, for Malusi, the fact that he was that involved and that like he was he really was sort of the, the main guy in the first half in terms of who scored, who was doing a lot of the damage. So with that, maybe I'll surprise you. I, I, I don't know, Jared, but I'm going to actually roll with Malusi, even though I know he's in sort of, um, so he is in the split. Uh, we'll just be direct about it. But I, I like the matchup. Um, and I, I don't know if it's really that clear that Braylon Allen's the RB1 of this program. At least the first week, it was kind of hard to tell. Granted, it was against Buffalo. So I, I don't want to get too crazy here, but um, I'd rather take a chance with Malusi just based on the matchup. The other two, I worry about how effective they can be against those defenses. Color me surprise, good sir. Um, I thought you were going to go with the same guy I'm going to go with here. I'm gonna, I am going to go with Kamani Vidal going up against Kansas State there. I did do a little bit of research into the Kansas State defense, and they're, for the most part, pretty middle of the pack here. Again, do I expect Kamani Vidal to do what he did last week? 25 carries, 248 yards, and uh, two catches for 54 yards? No. No, I do not expect him to do that against a Power 5 defense. But regardless, again, Kansas State isn't that much of a jump compared to the rest of what Kamani Vidal is going to face on a week-by-week basis. They're, they're a jump up from the Sun Belt defenses. Don't get me wrong. But like, I still think that, again, give me the volume. Give me the guy that, quite frankly, is due for a touchdown. You don't run for 248 yards and not get a touchdown. I think they're going to make sure that he finds the end zone at some point this week. Their defense is good. They're going to make sure that this game does not get out of hand early on, kind of game scripting him out. I'm feeling good about Vidal here. I fully agree with you. Samson Evans, it's a MAC team going against going up against a Big Ten defense. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I'm benching Samson Evans in pretty much every league that I have him in this week, which is kind of unfortunate because I have him in quite a few leagues, but I'm not counting on him whatsoever this week. And then Malusi, again, out of these guys, he's the one with like kind of the split backfield there with Bra- Braylon Allen. Washington State's defense last year is a little bit, a little bit underrated. And so I think that that game's going to be a little bit lower scoring than a lot of people kind of think it might be. So I, again, I'm going to take a pay, I'm going to take a note out of your book here. I'm going to go with the volume pick. I'm going to go with the guy who I just trust to find the end zone. Give me Vidal. And you will take Mr. Ches Malusi. All righty. Let's go ahead and put our tokens back here. And let's move on to our wide receiver questions here. Let's talk about the first one here from Mr. Drew. He's got a three-way wide receiver battle between three absolute studs, two of which went absolutely bananas this past weekend, one of which should have gone absolutely bananas this past weekend, but he didn't. We got Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver out of Ohio State, going up against Youngstown. This weekend, going or we could go with Jamari Thrash, wide receiver out of Louisville, going up against Murray State, 
Or we could go with Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State, going up against Southern Miss. Keon Coleman, absolutely phenomenal performance against an LSU team that a lot of people expected that secondary to be very, very good. I know tons of people in the Devi community are now talking about how Keon Coleman, if he keeps this up, will be a first-round wide receiver by the end of the year. Definitely encouraging to see. Again, these are three absolute studs, but I'm actually going to go with the guy that did the worst this past weekend and did the worst by a good margin. I am going to start Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm going to roll the dice here. And I am going to trust that Marvin Harrison Jr., even though Kyle McCord had a rough week this past week, I think that Indiana defense might end up being better than a lot of us were kind of giving it credit for. Youngstown cannot keep up with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Even if it's just short passes to Marvin Harrison Jr., he is going to absolutely destroy a lot of those defenders. He is due for at least one long touchdown in this game. I mean, all three of these guys are really going to be fantastic options, I think, for you. But I think given the fact that Marvin Harrison wants to be a first-round wide receiver, wants that bullet in the cuff award that he was so wrongly denied last year, I think he's in for a massive bounce-back performance this year. And you're going to see me in a couple of these upcoming ones maybe talk about some bounce back performances but i'm gonna roll with marvin harrison justin your thoughts here man who are you going with yeah i mean um your, your argument for marvin harrison is compelling um regarding that game it is kind of related to what we talked about last week where it's like if he doesn't get 100 yards or a couple of scores within a couple of quarters might be in trouble you have to hope that like he's he sort of scores quickly and early i think um for me i'm gonna roll with uh coleman actually and I was pleasantly surprised, I think, with probably most people. Uh, I knew he was good. Uh, he was pretty good at Michigan State last last season. But, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting what I saw Sunday night. I mean, he, he really dominated in that performance. And I, I really liked that he, he seems like he has a pretty good rapport with, with Travis. Uh, he saw a pretty steady amount of targets. I don't have the, the numbers uh, offhand. I got you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you can pull those up, I, I'm pretty sure he was the most targeted receiver there. But... Uh, even if he wasn't, I, I know he saw a pretty steady amount of targets. Uh, he looked very, very comfortable and effective in that offense. Uh, their matchup, you know, it, it's kind of similar to Ohio State's matchup in the sense that they're playing in an overmatched team, but Southern Miss is a G5 team, and, and they're usually a little bit better on defense. So they might be able to hang in there just enough for Florida State to uh, have some starters that actually salvage their day and have have a pretty good output. Yeah, Coleman got 11 targets this past weekend. And to your point, again, whenever you have one of those tough matchups right there where the quarterback needs to find the guy that he trusts the most out of all of his guys, that's usually very good indication that down the line that he is going to be a consistent guy for you week by week, especially, like I said, if he has those target numbers there. Again, 10-plus targets, performance like that against that good of a team. I... Don't blame you for going with Coleman. Really, any any three of these guys, I think you're going to be pretty okay with here, Drew. Again, it's it's just a shame that you can only start one of them. I would love to see who your other two starters are, or the other starters you have that makes it to where you cannot <laughs> start more than one of these guys. Surely there's somebody else on your roster you're starting that maybe <laughs> one of these guys can sub in for. Or is this like a five-team league or something? I'm not sure. But... Was it, or maybe this is Drew just um, just flexing on all of us. Speaking of Could flex, be. we're not there yet. We're not going to talk about flex players yet. 
Um, let's go and oops, let's put those back on there. There we go. All right, let's go talk about our other wide receiver question here. This one comes to us from Steve. We got a three-way question here. We got Ahmad Anderson, wide receiver out of Temple, going up against Rutgers. You got Caleb Hood, wide receiver out of Georgia Southern, going up against UAB. You got Jalen Polk, wide receiver out of Washington, going up against Tulsa here. Justin, we got two guys here that disappointed last week and a guy that had a really good performance. Which way are you going to go? Um, well, I'm actually I'm going to roll with Hood, Caleb Hood against UAB. And um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I know for, for, for whatever reason, his teammate Burgess seems to always be the one who gets the touchdown, despite the fact that each of those guys, they generally see similar target volume. Uh, I don't know if this is just coincidence or it's actually a, an intentional part of the offense, but uh, I'm going to roll with the guy who I, I know his role. I mean, he's at worst wide receiver two or wide receiver one B in that offense. Uh, and he generally sees a steady amount of targets We're playing another G5 team. You know, granted UAB is usually a, a good defense in the G5, um, but I, I like the system there. I know they're going to be passing it a lot in this game. Uh, so I'm going to roll with the guy that I think is just the safest of these three. I kind of wish we disagreed on this one, Justin, but I'm going to roll with my boyhood. I think it, this is another bounce back candidate for sure for me this week. Ahmad Anderson out of the three is clearly the odd man out. He was third on his team in targets last week, being out targeted by David Martin Robinson and by Dante Wright. He's going up against what's, as in my opinion, a pretty solid Rutgers defense there. I just don't trust the scoring opportunities for him there. He's definitely the biggest odd man out. At first, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer between Jalen Polk and Caleb Hood, given how good of a performance that Polk had last week. But then I realized all of his performance came on just three targets. He is clearly the third guy in that pecking order for Washington. He will have some really, really big weeks this year. But in a sit-start scenario, I'm going to go with the guy that got seven targets last week for Georgia Southern. Um, only out only out targeted by Derwin Burgess last week. I think that he's going to have weeks where he does out target Derwin Burgess just like he did last year. Very much big on Caleb Hood here. And in addition, you mentioned that UAB historically has been a pretty solid defense for the CUSA in the past. Well, one, they're moving to the AAC now, and then two, they lost a lot. From this past year like they're one they they have a very low amount of returning production there and according to our numbers at c2c winning edge they are the 91st ranked defense in the entire country so they are bottom 40 in the in the country in terms of their overall talent now maybe they got some really good really good coaching staff there that can get some more out of their guys than we're looking at i think that georgia southern could be i think People should expect the Eagles to score a lot more than you would necessarily initially think than with a matchup against UAB this upcoming weekend. So I'm in full agreement with you. All the more reason for to trust Hood out of these. Moving our tokens back, let's now move on over to the flex options where we will flex on each other here further. Justin, oh my God, I cannot speak tonight, y'all. It is just not great. Anyway. This one comes to us from Mr. Brett Price here. He is asking in a half PPR league who to throw into his flex spot. Running back Trey Benson out of Florida State who had a pretty disappointing performance this past weekend 
against LSU? Or does he go against Will Shepard coming off of two pretty impressive performances for Vanderbilt the last two weeks here? Shepard's going up against Wake Forest this week. I will go first on this one. And I'm going to continue the, th the trend of bounce back candidates here. I am fully bought into a big week for Trey Benson this week. Y'all look at what he did the last several weeks of the season last year. Just 100-yard game after 100-yard game after 100-yard game. Do you really think that's, that stuff's just going away? He's just done forever now? Absolutely not. He is going to have a massive performance this weekend. Last week, yes, disappointing performance. But he was going up against the sixth most talented defensive roster in the country, according to our numbers at C2C Winning Edge. Guess what Southern misses? 97th. They are a massive step down in competition. Trey Benson is going to eat them for lunch versus a guy like Will Shepard, who has been kind of very up and down when it comes to what he performs against Power 5 competition. Look at his stat line from last year. Literally, they played Wake Forest last year. Four catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. A okay performance in most leagues. You're not like hating yourself if that's what you get. But it's nowhere near the upside you're going to get with Trey Benson ripping off an 80-yard touchdown probably twice in this game against Southern Miss. I am fully bought into Trey Benson here out of these two. And it's not even close. Justin, your thoughts, man? I'm glad that we're going to be able to disagree on this one. Ooh. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm rolling with Mr. September, uh, Will Shepard. Uh, it's a good point you made about the fact that we have that data point from last year. Uh, although last year they were sort of working in a new QB. And, like they started with one, I believe his name is Ken Seals, and sort of AJ Swan, true freshman, I believe, took over. So it, it was kind of rocky. Well, the Mike uh, Wright experiment was also going on. Mike Wright. Yeah, that, that's probably the name I was thinking of. So the overall, you know, the, the stability on the passing side was, was not really there. Uh, and Shepard's been torching it the past couple of weeks. I mean, they've been targeting him a lot, especially when they get, like, in the red zone and need those scoring opportunities. Uh, like, his teammate Jaden McGowan is also getting a lot of volume, but it's Shepard who keeps scoring all the touchdowns. I think he's got two touchdowns back-to-back -back weeks now. Uh, and I'm not really too worried about Wake Forest's team. I mean, I know Vanderbilt's sort of a bottom feeder of the SEC, but as far as how they stack up against Wake Forest, uh, I'm not really too concerned about sort of how they can do against that defense. If anything, I think it could be a shootout in terms of what Wake Forest does against Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt doing against Wake Forest. Uh, regarding Trey Benson, I mean, yeah, I mean, this feels like a game where he should be able to get, you know, 100 yards and he might not see 20 carries just if the game gets out of hand. But I mean, this, this seems like a game where if he's going to break a long run for a touchdown, should be able to do it. I was a bit Concerned. I mean, I mentioned it last week in terms of what 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 to expect with this Florida State team. I'm not really sure in terms of the backfield split. Uh, Norvell, since he's been there at Florida State, does sort of spread the love around in the backfield. But we sort of assume because Trey Benson sort of looks like the best player in the backfield that he's just the talent will win out and they'll feed him. Um, he really had a dud last week, but to your point, you know they're playing a pretty strong uh, defensive line, so it might have been the case where. Passing game is working. Keon Coleman maybe caught some people by surprise, and they just said, let's just keep going to the well. Uh, why force you know the run game into a wall? So who knows? There's a few different interpretations of how that game, how that, you know, what to make of that. For me, though, you know, Shepard's just been killing it. Uh, I know he, you know, historically he's up and down, uh, but I'm just going to roll with the guy who's who's been hot lately here. All righty, fair enough. 
Again, if this was a full PPR, I might be a little bit more inclined to Will Shepard. But again, just it being half PPR is just all the more reason for me to trust in Trey Benson um, on that side of the deal here. But I'm glad we could disagree. That was like a legit disagreement there. That was great. Um, let's move on to our last flex question here. This one comes to us from Ethan Koch. And he, this is our first of the week. Our first start two, sit one out of this bunch here. He has Mr. Nicholas Singleton running back out of Penn State going up against Delaware this weekend. Or we could go with Ray Davis running back out of Kentucky going up against Eastern Kentucky. Or we could go with Tetariah McMillan, wide receiver out of Arizona, going up against Mississippi State. Personally, I think this is kind of a legitimately tough call, especially with it being full PPR. I forgot to mention that here. But Justin, I'm going to throw it over to you first, man. Which two are you starting out of this bunch? Yeah, th- this one is quite interesting. I-, I think the two running backs are in like similar predicaments where they're on a P5 team. They're going to play against a team that's that's overmatched, two FCS opponents. Uh, at least in the case of Davis, you know he's sort of the uncontested volume pig in that backfield. The same, the, the concern is still there about you know if he doesn't score in the first half, if he doesn't do damage. It could get ugly for you, and, and this might be a game where you know both teams are sort of working in new quarterbacks. Penn State has a uh, redshirt freshman, or, or has Drew Aller, I should say. Kentucky, they have the transfer from Devin Leary, so they might use this game to really like tune up and see what they have in the passing attack and really try to show that off. Um, but at least with Davis, you know, like okay, he's not splitting carries with anybody else. So if they if they have a rushing touchdown through the running back, he should be a guy that scores in this game. Uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit or I'm gonna start Davis, um, and then McMillan. He's in a just a, in a matchup that at least we expect to be competitive. Uh, so I expect him to at least play the full sixty. Um, you know, he's at worst wide receiver two there at Arizona, and they have a pretty good passing attack. So for for me, he's kind of the no brainer of the three, just because I expect him to play the full game. I kind of know his role there. Uh, Singleton, you know, he's, he's basically in the same predicament as Davis. It's just that he's going to be splitting work with Katron Allen. Uh, so that's kind of the, the differing factor for me between the two running backs. Yeah, I, I, I'm in full agreement with you that Ray Davis, at least in my opinion, I think Davis is a no-brainer out of this bunch. Just again, because of the volume that they were giving him last week again, against a outmatched opponent, they didn't sit him early. I think they're going to be able to get him work again this week. Is he probably going to get two touchdowns again this week? Probably not. I think they're going to spread the love around just a little bit more. But even still, I think he'll have a very another very solid week for you there. The only reason why I... Again, McMillan and Singleton is very close in my mind. I am worried about Singleton's volume in this game. I, In my mind, I'm like, he gets like 10, 12 carries max. Now, granted, that might be all he needs. It's Delaware. It's not exactly... like Singleton's known for just ripping off long ones against just completely outmatched competition. So I fully expect him to probably be able to do that in this game. And you're feeling pretty good about yourself. McMillan, I fully agree with you on every point that you made there. Full 60 minutes here. I expect Mississippi State to be the better team here, so therefore they're probably going to be Arizona's going to be probably playing from behind. He gets the target volume that you would like to see in a full PPR. That's usually advantage to the wide receivers there. 
it makes it really, really close. My problem is that Mississippi State's defense is legitimate. I think they have a really, really good roster over there. And to me, I think it's going to come down to the fact that I think I just trust Singleton to probably find the end zone more than McMillan in this game. I think that both of them have a decent shot at scoring, but I think I'll take the shot with Singleton just absolutely blowing it up within two quarters versus McMillan struggling against a really good defense and hoping that he scores. Because if, if he doesn't score, I think McMillan, I, I, he could be a total bust this weekend. We'll see. I'm going to start Singleton. And I think, but again, I totally understand why anybody would want to uh, start McMillan. Because again, I, I, I've been going back and forth with this all all day. But again, you got a guy against a team that typically does super well against Pac-12 defenses, but not a top 20 defense like Mississippi State. So I'm going to hold off on that one. We got one last question here. We got our one tight end question. Let me, before I forget, move back our tokens. And there we go. Last one we got here is a tight end question. This one comes to us from Mr. Ty Myers. He is basically asking here, new blood or old blood here? Brock Bowers tight end out of Georgia going up against Ball State or or our man Benjamin Eurosec tight end out of Stanford coming off a very, very impressive performance against Hawaii this past weekend with really, really good target share over there. And the good news is he's got a really good matchup this week as well going up against USC, which basically lets anybody under the sun score touchdowns against them. So, Justin, I will throw it over to you, sir. Which one are you starting out of these two? This is uh yeah, it's another interesting interesting one. I'm not sure which uh, who's who, new blood old or old blood. I mean Eurosex has been around for a while too. And Bowers has been around, feels like forever. I get I guess season. I guess what I meant by that is that Bowers was a top four tight end last year. Eurosec gotcha. was not. Gotcha. Eurosec yeah, is now yeah. on his way to being the top yeah. twelve tight end we thought That's... he could be. That that's fair, yeah. Eurosex, he's always been sort of relevant, but not really in that sort of top tier of tight ends. Um, for this one, and kind of mentioned it, I, I I do like the matchup of Stanford versus USC versus UGA versus Ball State. I mean, I don't know. Brock Bowers was quite involved last week, and, and that was a cupcake opponent. But it just feels like against these these cupcake opponents for UGA, and I know that they like to spread the ball around everywhere. Uh, it's kind of unpredictable, like, what they, are they going to decide to feed Bowers? I mean, they're kind of just playing with their food. Like, do they want to score for running back? Do they want to score for tight end? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I know a, a Mac team last year gave them a little bit of trouble, Kent State, at least for, like, a couple of quarters. So maybe the game is a little bit more competitive than what we would expect. Uh, but I don't know, it just kind of feels uh, like a little bit of a risk scenario with Bowers in terms of him getting pulled early, because it feels like if they can do it, they will. Uh, versus USAC, it's like, I mean, they're, they're definitely the worst team in this matchup, and, and sort of the concern is on the other end. Like, if it gets ugly, you know, the other way. But uh, these are two teams are from the same league, at least for this season, uh, and they should be able to compete with each other. And USAC seemed to be sort of the top target for that Stanford team last uh, weekend. That's always kind of exciting, too, when there's like a new coach, new system, you kind of, and convince yourself like, oh, maybe this is, you know, the the, the new guy that who's going to be the most targeted with this new system, new coach, because uh, it's just a lot of new faces, new personnel. Maybe this is just how the offense is going to run now. 
Uh, so even for a guy like Urasek, he's been around for a while, but this could be sort of his season of ascension with a new system. So I'll, I'll roll a Urasek on this one, uh, but it, it, you know, it, I don't feel too, too strongly about it. It is way too early in the season, y'all, to be benching a guy like Brock Bowers. Guys, I love what Urasek did last week. I really, really do. We have no guarantee that that is what happens every week. Versus Brock Bowers, yes, he is probably the more up and down out of the two elite tight end options this year between him and Aronde Gadsden. But I'm going to take that shot because I know that he can hit those 30-point games pretty much, you know, at least four weeks out of the season and still have really good weeks the, the other weeks. Versus Eurosec, again, I want to buy into him. I have bought into him where I can. Again, there's, there's, there's a couple of leagues where he was not super owned. I just, again, I, I just cannot bring myself, maybe this is the Georgia bias talking to me, but like, I can't, I can't bench Bowers. Like after what he's done the last two years, two years of top four tight end production, I, no, can't, can't do it. Can't do it. I think this is, I think this is trying to be a little too cute. You keep with the elite tight end option that has been there for the last two years. Eurosec is an incredible backup for you. So well done, Ty, for grabbing both of these guys. You could end up... It, shoot, there could probably some weeks where you could probably start Eurosec in a flex option if you really, really wanted to. But for now, don't get cute. Stick with Bowers. If Eurosec proves week over week to be the better guy, then yeah, obviously down the line, you're going to want to start switching over to Eurosec. As for week two, heck no. Ain't doing it. Give me Bowers. All righty. I think that finishes up our show for today. We kind of ran through all that pretty quickly. Granted, we agreed on a lot of our um, a lot of our sit starts today, so there wasn't really much debate to go on. So y'all got to give us some tougher ones in the future, to where Justin and I uh, Justin and I have to disagree just a little bit more. So look forward to that in week three. But for right now. We just got to get ready for week two. Hopefully, if y'all lost your matchups this past weekend, I hope you guys grab some really good waiver options off the waiver wire this week and are ready to dominate in week two. Justin, before we get out of here, I just want to give you an opportunity to let anybody know what it is you'll be working on over the next week. Again, you just released your Western Michigan and Hawaii offense article. You had a takeaways article. What else can people expect over the next week? Yeah, no, it's um, I'm continuing, planning to continue doing articles sort of of that same style, looking at some offenses that have sort of emerged early on, player profiles as well. Uh, every week I plan to do sort of a weekly waiver wire article. I know, you know there's all kinds of content on that now. Everybody's doing an article. Uh, but, um, you know, I think with those, it's good and helpful to just get as much information or as, as many different opinions as you can. Uh, so yeah, I do a waiver wire article now. I try to get that out on Sundays, maybe early early Monday. Uh, and I do player profiles, team profiles, um, and I'll also be dropping just sort of a weekly observations uh, article. So just sort of a high level, uh, what did I see from the weekend, themes, patterns, things like that. Yeah, and again, you guys absolutely should. All, again, if you have not already, go and subscribe to uh, Justin's stuff. Just volume pigs on is a Substack, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you can just go directly to volumepigs.com. It's also just linked on my Twitter. So Okay, cool. Email, so you got a full website and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So go to volumepigs.com. Again, subscribe to his stuff. It is really, really in-depth stuff. Again, the mo- the moment 
that he started writing articles. We were DMing each other in the Campus of Canton Slack being like, we got to get this guy on the team because he writes really, really in-depth stuff, really does his research well. You guys will, it'll, it, it's worth every penny and it's super, super cheap. It's like five bucks a month. You're like, come on guys, go, 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 go buy Justin a, a cup of coffee. Um, even still. I, I will say I'm better at writing CFF articles than picking uh, weekly sit starts. So don't, don't hold my score this week against me. <laughs> oh no, you're fully, you're fully ready to have a comeback against me this week, dude. I'm, I, I, I pick some absolute doozies. I promise you this week. Um, in terms of what we got going on over here with chasing that at campus again, again, we're doing these two shows every single week. It is a ton of fun. Um, we got the, um, on the campus of Canton side of things, we got um, DFS articles coming out from from Ethan Sowers and Chris K every week. If that is what you are into in terms of CFF articles, we got takeaways coming out from Austin Nace every week. A different writer from the CFF team will be putting out waiver articles for you guys each week, so that you guys get um, experience and perspective from a whole host of different guys on the website. And yeah, that's that's pretty much a lot of what we're doing over here. Uh, again, season's here. It is awesome. We're truly nose to the grindstone. Here we go. Really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful and expressive week, too. See you guys.